0: You're listening to audio from the town center campus of CA Church, located in downtown Coquitlam. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. So the passage we're going to be looking at today is, um, yeah, Mark chapter 4. But it takes place within a larger story, right? Uh, The chapter takes place within a larger story, which is the book of Mark, which takes place in a larger story, which is, of course, the story of salvation. God rescuing his world through his son, Jesus Christ. And so what we're going to be looking at today takes place in a specific spot, in a fishing boat, right? It takes place in a fishing boat at sea. But it reminds us, it reminds us as we look at the detail of this story is that God is a God who works in details, right? You know that. God is not a God of generalities. God doesn't love humanity. He loves you. God doesn't know just everything. He knows your story. And God is a God who works in the details of our lives. And so before we dive into the story, one of the questions I want to ask you is this. Where are you at today? And specifically, where do you long to meet Jesus? In what part of your life? Where are you at in your life where you need to meet Jesus, and you need, in particular, you need rescuing. The story speaks to us. So if you have a Bible, turn to Mark chapter 4, and we're going to begin in verse 35. Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 35. In honor of God's word, let's stand together. Can we do that in here? Yeah. Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 35. On that day, when evening had come, Jesus said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. Jesus, this is your story, it's about you, and you are present with us today. You're not a worldview, you're not a philosophy, but you are personal and you are present. And so we pray that you would speak into our hearts this morning, that you would soften hard hearts, that you would focus distracted minds, and help us to be attentive to what you're saying and doing in and around us. That's our desire, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Okay, so this story is actually placed in, uh, it's it's quite interesting. It's the beginning of a section in the book of Mark that takes us right into about just the beginning of chapter 6. And lots of things happen. Lots of things happen. We get a storm at sea. From there you get this amazing story of, of deliverance, a person who is possessed by a legion of demons. Followed by a young girl being raised to life. And in the middle of all this, another woman who is healed. And so you have power over creation, authority over demons. Ability to heal and raise the dead all just over a chapter long. And so what is this narrative teaching us? What is this section teaching us? Well, it's teaching lots of things. But one of the things it teaches us. Just one of them is this, is that Jesus is equal to any issue, any problem we throw at him. So whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're struggling with this morning, Jesus is up to the task. Do you believe that? It's true. But there's another theme that shows up in this whole section, and we can't ignore it because it's a bit of a warning. Because if you look carefully at these stories, you're going to see that there are people in these stories, when they encounter Jesus, when they see what he can do, when they see what he's all about, their reaction is not great. The reaction ranges from fear to Jesus go away to just disbelief. And it's only those, it is only those, and we need to get this, it is only those who are completely desperate for help, who are hanging by a thread, are the ones who meet Jesus in a life-changing way. And some of you this morning may be in that place. Okay, let's look at our passage. In our passage, we begin with the evening setting in. Jesus says to his disciples that they should get in their fishing boat and go across to the other side of the lake, the Sea of Galilee. And we we read that it's not just the disciples that go with Jesus. It says that there are other boats. And so right away you get two groups of people. You get groups of people who want to go with Jesus and groups of people that would rather stay safely on the shore, (laughs) which again is a question to ask, where are we at? Now, on one hand, sailing across the sea should not have been a big deal. It should have been fairly safe, because at the helm, you have expert fishermen who fish the the Sea of Galilee all the time. They know how to handle a boat. They know their craft. But ironically, these experts of the sea end up being the ones who are terrified, where Jesus, not an expert on the sea, not a fisherman, but a carpenter by trade, calmly sleeps on a sandbag in the stern, at the back of the boat. And the disciples, they struggle to be disciples when the storm breaks out. We read that, that the, when the storm happens, that waves are crashing over the side of the boat, and the boat is filling with water, and, the, and, and, and that you know, the, the, the water is rising above their feet, and, and, and they look at the storm, and they see the rising waves, and they see the water around their feet, and they look over, and they see Jesus sound asleep, And instead of thinking, wow, hey, Jesus is asleep. We're probably going to be okay because if he's not worried, why should we be worried? No, they take his sleeping as a sign of what? Yeah, of neglect. He does not care. Look at him. He does not even care what's going on. He doesn't care what's going to happen to us. He doesn't care that we are going to die. Now, here's a problem. Oh, well, there's many problems here. Because as, as good Jews, they should have known about God and his sovereignty and his power. They knew the story of how God delivers his people. We saw this in the book of Exodus. They knew the Psalms. They knew, in particular, Psalm 107. Psalm 107 said, talks about, um, about how God... How people cried out to God in, in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storms be still, and the waves of the seas were hushed. And, and you know, here's the other thing. They, they'd been with Jesus for a while, and they'd seen Jesus do some pretty amazing things. Right? They, they, to the point where they would even say that this Jesus, there's something about him. God seems to be with him. He, he has an authority like we've never seen before. But in the midst of the storm, none of this is coming to mind. Now, I think we need to pause here because here's the thing. Okay. We all know God's promises. Well, I'm guessing many of you know God's promises. Many of you at least, you know, if God is God, then he's got to be pretty strong. And so we we know a lot of things about God. We know that God is a God who delivers us. We know that God is sovereign. We know that nothing can separate us from the love of God and Jesus Christ. We know lots of things, right? But it's amazing how we forget those things when trouble comes. It's amazing how those truths are kind of pushed out of our mind when storms come. And when the storms come in life, if you're like me, your mind goes into strange places. And you begin to doubt. Not only do you begin to, I'll tell you, I'll speak for myself. Not only do I begin to doubt, I begin to say, you know what? I got this. I'm going to take control of the situation. I'm in charge now. For the disciples, same sort of thing. Do you not care, they say. Do you not care that we are perishing? Do you not care? And this is a big one. Because in our confused, fragmented world, overwhelmed by fears and wars, by economic and climate crises, pandemics, sickness and death, A world of injustice. A world where people get away with murder. A world where it seems like everything is driven by blind chance. A world where it feels like God is absent or he's indifferent. We might be like the disciples and ask the same question. Lord, don't you care? Don't you care with what's going on in Ukraine? Don't you care what's going on in my life? Now the situation that we're reading about it gets a little more complicated do you know why it gets more complicated it's because whose big idea it was to go across the lake in the first place right the reason why they're in the storm uh, the, the storms have come because the disciples were trying to follow Jesus you get that? I mean, whose big idea was it to get into the boat in the evening? It was Jesus's idea. And they're following Jesus' leading. And the storm came as a result of following Jesus. Now, that's a bit strange. Now, if the disciples were saying, you know what? We should get in the boat and we should go across the lake. And Jesus says, I don't think that's a good idea. You know, it's evening, there may be a storm. Jesus, just get in the boat. We got this, right? Come on, trust us, we're fishermen. And if a storm breaks out, you'd be like, ha, you should have listened to Jesus and not gone on the boat in the storm, right? And it would all make sense. And the lesson would be, listen to Jesus and you'll avoid these storms. Let's pray. But, but that's not what happened. It was Jesus' big idea to go across the lake. And they're just following Jesus which makes things a bit more awkward. And it, and it teaches us, I think, a number of things. One, to follow Jesus is no guarantee that things will go well. Now, if you're ever at a church and they say, follow Jesus and it'll be sunshine and rainbows and everything, you know, everything's going to go great. No, it's not true. I mean, what does Jesus t- say to us? Yeah, in this world you will have trouble. You will have trouble. There are storms that you and I will face precisely because we have decided to follow Jesus. That means to be a faithful disciple may actually be the reason for the storms. I read a book recently, called Live Not by Lies by a guy named Rod Dreher. Has anybody heard of that book or read it? It's an interesting book, Eastern Orthodox fellow, Rod Dreher. And he just, he describes in the book uh, the experiences of Christians who have lived under totalitarian regimes. People in Eastern Europe understand this well. People who lived under the Soviet Union And he describes that when when you show your allegiance to Jesus, in most places in the world, through most of history, it will land you in trouble. And so he looks at people, you know, who lived under Nero, under Hitler, under Stalin, under Ceausescu, under Xi Jinping, or whatever, whoever it happens to be. And Dreher's point is that these storms have come throughout history when people align their lives with Jesus. And here in the West, here in Canada in particular, we've gone through maybe 50, 60 years where to be a Christian is generally okay. It's, it, in fact, there was a day where... It was actually part of society to be a good Christian. I mean, I didn't grow up as a Christian at all, but I do remember in school, in high school, we, we, every morning we sang O Canada and then recited the Lord's Prayer. I even remember in elementary school in the morning, we sing O Canada, say the Lord's Prayer, and hear a Bible story. This is in a secular school. Anybody else remember those, those days? <laughs> a couple, of, yeah, yeah. But you have to realize that's a blip. That's a blip actually in the story of, of, of Christianity. For the most part, for the most part, there's been a growing cost of discipleship. There's always been a cost of discipleship. And we're starting to see that even now here. So back to the passage. There are storms that you and I can expect to experience, maybe in the worst storms we experience, if we faithfully follow Jesus. So we need to remember that. Now, that in itself may be challenging, but here's where it gets even more awkward. What is Jesus doing? He's sleeping. He's sleeping. Now, why is he sleeping? Well, he's tired. Long day. And it strikes me that Jesus is one of those people who can sleep Anywhere at any time. I'm a chronic insomniac, and those people drive me crazy. These go, yeah, I was on the plane, I just slept for nine hours, and I got, and I'm like, who can sleep on a plane? Yeah, I see, yeah, thank you. You guys are awesome. Yeah, yeah, I can't sleep anywhere, anywhere, hardly at any time. So here's Jesus in the middle of a storm, sound asleep. But of course, there's more to the story than simply he's tired. Jesus sleeps because he trusts. Jesus sleeps because he trusts that all things, all times are in his Father's hands. Jesus sleeps because he knew the Psalms, that God is our refuge and our strength, the very present help in times of trouble. Jesus sleeps because he knows that the Father gives his beloved sleep. Now for those on the boat, when they look at Jesus, they go, oh, look at him, sound asleep. I bet he's just, I, he trusts the Father to things. No, they don't see any of that. They look at Jesus and they say, don't you care? Do you not even care that we perish? They saw apathy. Jesus was sleeping and they're about to die. Yes, they were expert sailors, and on their own strength had gotten through difficult times before, but this storm was a storm like no other, right? Unprecedented Unprecedented storm. (laughs) This has nothing to do with the message, but I I, I remember one time I was in Galliano. Have you ever been to Galliano? So I was in Galliano, and there's a bookstore there. Big surprise, I was in the bookstore. Um, And... And I'm standing there and, and you hear the wind blowing and the and the door opens. And it's like, you know, you hear the bell on the door. It's right right out of a movie. And this old grizzled guy with a cap on and a long beard comes on and it was right at me. He looks at me, he goes, Oh, there's a storm a brewing outside, right? And I just like, wow, that's good. <laughs> the, the weirder part is I just said, Oh, I said, Do you think that'll affect the fairy when the fairy's coming? He goes, son. I have no idea when, this, when the ferry is coming. I'm like, really? He goes, I have not been off this island for 25 years. You know, Galliano is a small island. I'm like, okay, there's a story there. I'm just going to carry on with my books. but <laughs> Okay, none of that has anything to do with this message. But it just, <laughs> but there's a storm. There's a storm coming. It's a storm like no other. And if you think about it, in Israel's thinking, the sea, represents chaos and death in Israel's thinking. Well, this night, chaos and death seem to be winning out. So to summarize, we have disciples who've been called out on the sea by Jesus, and now they're facing a storm like no other, and they're afraid, and they're about to die, and their master, whose big idea was to go out in the sea in the first place, while well, he's sound asleep teacher do you not care that we perish and i think a lot of people would say that in our world today they say yeah you say you talk about god yeah maybe he exists but here's the thing he sure doesn't care because if god really cared this stuff would not be happening in the world if god is if he does exist he's asleep at the wheel He's sound asleep in the storms of history. And this is the question of the ages. This is a question that many of you might be asking this morning. God, okay, you may exist, but do you care? Do you care? Facing the emptiness of day to day living, you look around and you say, Man, I don't see you, God. Do you care? Are you even there? And that may be your question. And that's what the disciples were thinking that dark night. Jesus, you got us into this mess. Do you even care if we get out of it? Do you not care that we perish? Well, look at verse 39. We get Jesus' response. And Jesus awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? There's a couple observations to make. Jesus asked his disciples, where's your faith? Where's your faith? And he asked them this for two reasons. One, he's reminding them that he is in the boat with them. Jesus is with us in the boat. In the midst of the storm, the disciples were facing in the storms to come. Jesus is with them. And here's the thing, that's a game changer. Because when you and I face storms, we need to realize that the God we worship is not on some cloud with his eyes half closed far, far away that Jesus is in the storms with us. I've shared this before, but I remember a, a very dear friend of mine when he was dying in the hospital. He had, he had stomach cancer and he was dying. And I asked him, I said, what, 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 where's God in all this? Where are you at? Because he didn't have much time to live. And he looked at me and he said to me, he goes, he goes Jesus is right here. And this guy is like a pretty quiet guy not very expressive, he goes, I've never felt so close to Jesus as I do in the midst of this suffering. Because at the center of our faith is what? A cross. It's a picture of suffering. And it reminds us that whatever you're going through, that Jesus will meet you in the midst of your suffering. He doesn't abandon you, but he will meet you in your suffering. So Jesus reminds him, he goes, I, I'm, I'm with you in the boat. But he also gives him a second reminder. He goes, and you're with me in the boat. And so all that I am and all that I will do, you will be recipients of. You will you'll, you'll benefit from. And so when I die for your sins and I'm raised to new life and you put your faith in me, because you put your faith in me, even death will not have the final word. And so he reminds them that you, they are with him, and he is with them. The other thing is, the second observation is this. Look what Jesus does, what he says. He looks to the, to the, to the sea, and he says two words. He says, he says, peace, and he says, be still. Jesus speaks at the storm and tells it to stop, and for there to be peace and stillness instead. And wonder of wonders, creation obeys. Now, on one hand, Jesus' words are directed towards the gale. But on the other hand, they're directed towards the disciples. Peace, be still. And some of you are experiencing storms in your life right now. I remember a buddy of mine. He struggled with um he still does struggle with um in very very intense depression and um he describes at times he's feel, he says it's like this storm that's just about to overwhelm him this huge tidal wave and i asked him so what do you do in those times he says i remember jesus and i look at this i look at the wave and i look at the storm and i say in jesus name peace Be still. And what he's saying, he says, that that storm may be there, but it will not wipe me out. It will not wash me away. It will not take me down. Which leads to the third observation. We need to see this. Notice the disciples' reaction when Jesus calms the storm. It's interesting we read that they were more afraid. They were more afraid than when they thought they were going to die. Interesting. Why? Well, here's the thing. Because up until then, these disciples had been walking around with a great teacher. They'd been walking around with a teacher with great authority who could do amazing things. And now they realize... That this rabbi, this teacher <laughs> that they've been hanging around with can speak over creation and creation obeys. There is only one who can speak over creation and creation obeys, and that's God. They thought they were on a boat with a rabbi. <laughs> they realized that sleeping in their boat was none other than the incarnate God himself. And what does it say? It says, they were terrified. They were were more afraid than they were when the storm was happening. Who is this person? Okay, where does this passage leave us then? Well, it leaves us with a few things. One, it leaves us with the uneasy realization that it's easy to be courageous when the sea is calm. <laughs> Notice that? My faith is so strong when things are going well. It really is. It's like I have, I have the, you know, I have so much faith. The moment something goes wrong, I grab the wheel. I'll speak for myself. That's what I do all the time. The moment stuff happens is like, God, I got this because <laughs> I'm not sure you do. Last um, fall, something happened in my, in my family, and it kind of threw, threw things off a little bit. And my immediate reaction was fear, anxiety, and control. In that order. <laughs> I felt fear. I felt anxiety like I've never felt before. And my response was, I will do whatever I can to fix this. And that's my reaction every time. And I realized it was a challenge to me because I realized my faith is so strong when everything's going well. I'm such a strong Christian when when, when the sea is calm. And I can speak all sorts of, oh, you know, just trust in God. Everything's going well for me until things go wrong. And then be like, yeah, I'm not sure if God's going to come through, so I got this. I think this is a reminder to us that it's easy to be courageous when things go well. But when the storms come, we see how deeply rooted this courage is. And it's interesting because Mark wrote the gospel, as I'm sure Pastor Brad pointed out, at a time when the church was beginning to experience deep persecution. And the gospel encouraged them not to give in to fear, not to let it overcome them but instead to fix their eyes on the one who is with them in the storm. You know, I think in Canada, I think storms are coming. I think it's it's going to be more and more difficult to be a Christian, to be a faithful Christian. But the reality is, is just in our own lives, it's easy to be courageous when things are well. And when things don't go well, then we're faced with the Uncomfortable question, but a very important question. I remember Dallas Willard asking this question. And the question is this. Do we truly believe what we say we believe? Over and over again, we need to ask ourselves, do I believe what I say I believe? And I think the, the call of the Christian life is learning to believe what we say we believe. Secondly, it leaves us with the difficult question, how will we react when our ship gets tossed about and we're facing waves upon waves of opposition? Will we be people of faith? Or will we be rebuked for losing our nerve and compromising what we know to be true? And finally, I think this passage leaves us with a tremendous startling truth of the incarnation that Jesus is God that he is God with us, and he will be with us and will carry us through the storm. Now notice I say through. Even though I walk through the valley of death, not even though I walk around the valley of death, even though I go around the storms of life, no. He is our pilot who leads us through the storms. And that means storms storms are going to happen. And some of you are going through storms right now. But he is our pilot who will guide us through them. And he will lead us safely home. And I think this story has a lot to say about the interplay of faith and fear. Faith casts out fear. And there's so many things. I don't know about you, but <laughs> Mike and I were talking about not watching the news. <laughs> Um, there's so many things in the news that just make us make. I'll speak for myself. Make me twitchy, right? When I look at the, even a li- even if I just take a little peek, I'm, I'm, I get twitchy. The picture of tr- faith and the picture of trust is throwing ourselves into God's hands, into His love for us. And and the two biggest questions I've I've said this before, but I think in all of our challenges in the Christian life. Whenever you're feeling as challenged, whenever you're feeling overwhelmed, the two questions you need to ask yourself are these. These are so important. Do I trust God? Do I really trust Him, right? And the second question is this Is He as loving as His Son says He is? Those are the two questions. When you boil everything down, it comes down to those two questions Do I really trust God that He's got this? That he knows what he's doing. And is he as loving as the Son says he is? We're brought back to uh, this old hymn. I love the words. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. Love of every love the best. Tis an ocean full of blessing. Tis a haven giving rest. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, tis a heaven of heavens to me. And it lifts me up to glory, for it lifts me up to thee. And these are truths that we need to hold on to in the midst of the storm. Does that make sense? Okay, let's pray. Jesus, we've been talking about you the whole time. And you've been present with us. You're not far away you're present. And there are some here this morning who are in the midst of a storm, and we pray that you would speak into their hearts, they would know that you are with them in the storm, that they are with you in the storm, and that you are our good pilot who leads us safely home through the storm into safe haven. Now, we don't know what that looks like. We don't know how long the storm is going to last. But we do know that whatever we experience, that all shall be well in the end. Because of your life, death, and resurrection, death has been defeated. The greatest enemy, chaos, has been defeated. And that what we have to look forward to, is peace and your presence. And even in the midst of the storm, you offer us your peace and your presence. And so help us not to be overcome with anxiety and fear. There's so many things in our world today that are causing anxiety and fear. May we cling to you, knowing that you are good and you can be trusted. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of C.A. Church.